Report in from NFL.com's Ian Rappaport that the Steelers are set to interview Lewis Riddick, the ESPN analyst, for their GM position. We've all been talking about Omar Khan and Brandon Hunt, and those guys are definitely still the guys that you're probably looking at as the front runners. But the idea of bringing Lewis Riddick, a pit man, back to Pittsburgh to be the GM of the Steelers. There's a few exciting thoughts about that. We'll talk about that and whether the interview is legitimate, whether it's, you know, maybe kicking up the tires, maybe trying to build relationships, or if there's some meat there. And there's a few other interesting conversations that stem from how the Steelers are building their team moving forward and what they're trying to do under Mike Tomlin in the next era, whoever is the successor for Kevin Colbert. I'm Chris Carter here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. Joining me today will be Josh Taylor of KDKA TV. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Be sure to like this video if you're watching it on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our content that's put up there all the time. If you want to help us out more, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment to uh, to, to help us out. If you do both at the same time, you get a shout at the end of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. We'll talk about the GetUpside app more. Joining me is Josh Taylor. We have him on a lot on this show. We're having him on even more. We just love having talks with this guy. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I got to tell you a little story. I got a message from one of my cousins who lives in Ohio a couple days ago. He's like, yeah, I'm on YouTube just looking at stuff about the Steelers and whose face shows up on a thumbnail but yours on Lockdown Steelers podcast. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's Carter. That's my dude. Man. We talk all the time. He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, that was that was good stuff. I think it was the last, the very last episode we did. So, yeah, we're we're uh, clearly we're we're finding some people. It's 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 the fun thing when you people you know stumble on you by accident. So, oh, hey, yeah, hey man, good to be back. Shout, shout out to your cousin because that's uh that's that's always dope when we when What's people up, Joey? see us doing our thing. <laughs> so hopefully, Joe, you're watching this too. Um, but Josh, let's talk about the news of the day. Uh, early uh, Tuesday morning, uh, the the Steelers. Uh, it was reported from Ian Rappaport of the NFL saying that the Steelers are set to interview Lewis Riddick. And we all know Lewis Riddick. If you've loved football, you've heard his name a lot. He's given a lot of analysis on ESPN. Um, he's been a guy who's been a voice there for some time. And some people might know that, you know, that he has considerable experience in the front offices and personnel. But for those who don't, he does. Uh, he, he spent four years from 2010 to 2013 being the director of pro personnel for the Eagles. He was a, an assistant for a year there up to that position. He was a scout for a year before that. He was also a, the director of pro personnel for the Washington football team with the former name, former teammate is of course there. Um, and for that was from 2005 to 2007 that he was there person director of pro personnel and as well as being a scout for the four years before that. So this guy had extensive experience stemming over 14 seasons working in front offices, working in scouting departments, trying to build up rosters, Josh. And then he went to ESPN, and he became one of the more recognizable faces there when it came to talking about football. He's doing Monday Night Football, and, and he's also a pit man. He went to the University of Pittsburgh, played safety there, uh, developed a really good reputation there, uh, and still has ties to the to the, to the program. Uh, in fact, he did, he did like a big promo video for them a year or two ago. That was really cool. But you see this 
development that he's being interviewed here. And we've all been talking about Brandon Hunt and who's going to be the successor to Kevin Colbert. How much meat do you think is on the bone of this actual interview that, like, if Lewis Riddick comes in, impresses Mr. Rooney, and impresses Mike Tomlin, and everyone's looking around and says, huh, let's just make this happen. Is this, is this something that's very likely or something that you think is uh, maybe maybe so-so? No, I think there's a lot of meat on this bone. I think there's a lot to, to draw from here. And well, there's and for several reasons, but the main ones, number one, this is a guy that has a lot of ties to this organization, whether direct or indirect. Yes. Yes, he's a pit man, so he understands the city of Pittsburgh. That's that's enough to be said there. He's got another direct tie. His former cousin, his cousin was the former defensive coordinator here. Tim Lewis was the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator in between the tenures of Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau pre head coach of Cincinnati, <laughs> and then the head, Dick LeBeau. There was that brief period in the early 2000s. During that little gap there in the middle, that was Tim Lewis. He was the defensive <laughs> coordinator. And you can make the argument that those defenses were very, very different, and you're not wrong. But for reference's sake, yeah, he has ties to this organization. And it also helps being in the job that he's been for nearly the past decade. He has access yeah. to not only the Steelers organization, he has access to all 32 NFL organizations in a way that not many other people get. So you're talking about a guy who's worked in two NFL front offices, who now has access for nearly a decade to almost every front office and to get different ideas and understanding. So he has a pulse on what other teams are doing, maybe more than guys that are already in the job because now he has direct direct access to all of them. Don't look at this as a negative. This is a positive because people might talk to him that might not talk to other GM candidates. He has that in his pocket. That's something that's a positive for him more or less than a negative. And and then of course the, the other side of it is, you know, when you work in this league long enough, you work with enough executives, you work with enough coaches, you work with mm-hmm. enough players. Well, they know other executives, they know other coaches, they know other players. And these people mingle. Mm-hmm. They meet, they talk, they they share ideas, they swap stories, they develop relationships. You can't tell me when you look around this league and other guys that have done this job that somebody or a group of people would not point to Lewis Riddick and say, hey, that guy might do a pretty good job running a front office somewhere. Uh, there, there are some things. There. I mean, you know, as much as we talk about networking in every other sense in every other job industry, we don't think it happens in professional sports. Of it's supposed. It it's it's one of the biggest assets that you can have in your favor when you're when you're covering professional. When you're not covering when you're um when you're you know you're working those front offices. You need to be able to make phone calls. You need to be able to learn. Hey, what does this organization think over here about this right. guy? And, and and like like you said, because part of the strategy of when you're doing drafts, when you're doing free agency, it's not just knowing who the players are. It's not just scouting and say, hey, that that guy's really good. I loved his tape from two. 2015 when he was a junior in high school and he is this it's 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 not it's not all about that all the time a lot of it is about knowing hey you know what I know how such and such thinks in the office over there, say the Baltimore Ravens, and they pick two two picks before us, and we both need these positions. I know which one that they want to go with, and I've talked to someone that knows. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna trust that we don't have to trade up ahead of those guys to make those type of moves. It's things like that. Uh, that that are very valuable in the NFL. And I don't think it talked about enough when it comes to the importance of team building, of strategy building and, and moving forward. And, you know, I think one thing that people look at here is like, well, you know, they, they look at, you know, previously Lewis Riddick has interviewed for different jobs. He interviewed for the Texans and the Lions. And they're like, well, if you wanted to be in, you know, a, a GM, why, would, why wouldn't he take those jobs? And uh, Josh, I ask you, why would he take those jobs? Have you, has anyone seen what's going on in those two organizations right now? <laughs> If there are two organizations, now granted, there's 32 teams in the league. Yeah. 
if there are two organizations that I probably would not be interested in either joining or taking <laughs> over right now, and this is kind of slowly pushing Miami to the side. Right, right, right. There's a, Dolphins will get to you later. But they're, you, they're in, you let me too. Let me put it this way. They're in the top five do not touch list, and they're not five, okay? <laughs> so you push Miami to the side, but if there's two, I'm like, eh, Houston, Detroit, in no particular order, probably at the top of the list. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be inclined to touch those two teams, to touch those two organizations, giving their hiring history with GMs, giving their hiring history with coaches, given how their ownership tends to be brought into question, usually every two to three years because this stuff keeps cycling out. So, yeah, I'd be a little bit hesitant to go there, too. I can see why he might be not as eager to join one of those two franchises. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think that should be a put put, put down or uh, something to say, oh, maybe he's not serious about the job. I think he is. It's just that, you know, when you're looking around and listen, when you're working this job, and I said this about John Gruden, the reason John Gruden got the money he got from the Raiders to be the head coach there was because he knew, you know what, it's hard being an NFL head coach. It's hard working those front offices. Those are difficult jobs with a lot of pressure and if and if if someone gets hurt your whole plan could go kapoof and then everyone calls you an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about and the games pass you by Hi, and Bobby then exactly and then all of a sudden you're just forgotten about and talked about like you like you like you're not worth anything even though you are great at your job but you know what doesn't do that to you TV because you could go on TV like John Gruden and create the Gruden grinder segment and then everyone's like oh man John Gruden he just knows so much about football and he's just a man and he got to do that for decades and he made millions of dollars of do doing it tens of millions of dollars doing it and then he was like you know what if you give me you know ownership in the Raiders and you know a guaranteed contract that's a like hundred million dollars I, I sure I'll go in I'll go in and leave this cushy job and I think Lewis Riddick's been in the same place I've been working at ESPN. It's been going great. Everyone wants me on their show. I get to do whatever I want. No one's calling me an idiot because I drafted this guy. And it turned out that he his profile didn't match what we thought it was. Although all I, I see why Lewis could do whatever, whatever he wants. But for me, Josh, and I know you're about to bring this up. For me, I, I think he's waiting for if he wants to do this, it's going to be with the right organization. And how many more organizations out there could be more right than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I, I've been saying this a lot, especially since the, the coaching carousel in college football started turning. Leverage is a hell of a drug. It, you have, when you have the leverage that Lewis Riddick has, it's like, look, I, I, I could move over here, but why? Because everything is more stable over here. Why go to Detroit when things are a lot more stable working in, in Bristol, Connecticut? Why go down to Houston and deal with the craziness down there when things are a lot more stable in Bristol, Connecticut? However, now there's the option of one of the most stable franchises, not only in that sport, but in all the professional sports, with a head coach who acknowledges, I got one of the best jobs in professional sport. So, yeah, when that team comes calling, you pick up the phone. You mm -hmm. hear what they have to say, because that is a rare opportunity, not to mention the fact the guy on the way out the door is going to finish 21 and a half years. Yeah. With that organization, that's, that's pretty good security. That's, that's really good job security. So that's <laughs> it's an entirely different dynamic. It is the exact opposite of the previous two organizations we just discussed. So yeah, if I'm Lewis Riddick, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. Just like you said with uh, with John Gruden, you're waiting for the right opportunity. You, you are in that situation. You are a hunter with one bullet. You are waiting for a clean shot.
mm-hmm. this is about as clean as it comes. I'm I'm sorry. If I get to choose between waiting for the Raiders and waiting for the Steelers, I'm waiting for the Steelers too. Exactly. I'm waiting for the Steelers over maybe all but two or three other franchises, if any other franchise. If any, and that's the thing. And, that's and the again, first ones you're going to sort of fall for. And, and again, this is the most freedom you've probably had as a GM to build a roster for the for the, for the Steelers you've had in, in 18 years since they drafted Ben. Because Absolutely. since they've had Ben, it's like you know who your franchise quarterback is. Now you just kind of build the pieces around him. And now you can be the guy that maybe finds the next great Steelers quarterback. And if you do, you're beloved, you're Hall of Fame. I mean, Kevin Colbert, he's going to the Hall of Fame. That, yes. you know, as if that's that's just that's just what, what what's gonna happen there. And if you can do that for the Steelers and, and and set up another run for a storied organization to get at least one more Super Bowl, shoot, you write you write your ticket. Added bonus, you might have possibly the biggest amount of cap space this team has seen in the modern salary cap era. And that's before Mm -hmm. you take the quarterback salary off the books. Who's retiring before you have to make decisions on a couple key players that are making, you know, eight to nine figures. You have a couple decisions you can make that could grow that space and allow you to make more moves Mm -hmm. to make that decision on picking your quarterback, even easier to transition him in. It's not the perfect scenario, but if you're a new guy coming in on the job, you got a really good situation coming in. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're probably going to have the reigning defensive player of the year. So sprinkle that one in there, too. Absolutely. We're not done talking about this. We're going to be right back on it in a second here. But first, I got to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football gets you ready for the Super Bowl coming at the end of the week here. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and even news this season. It's not just about football either. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute up to info on pro and college hoops, and NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of all current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season at BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. We're talking about Lewis Riddick and the potential of the Steelers adding him. And, and just we're also just looking at the GM position as a whole, too, because, Josh, there's a lot of different things that go into this. Now, I think it's also worthy to note. Now, people are probably thinking, like, OK, Chris, we hear that she was the director of pro personnel and all that. But what did you do with these with these two teams? And, well, let's look at some names that came through these organizations when he was there let's start with washington now th- granted this is the mid 20 to the mid 2000s so like you know this is this is a different time but during his time they tr- they they drafted jason campbell they traded to get santana moss they they got antoine randall former Steeler in free agency uh they got london fletcher lebron landry they drafted him Okay, so so like that's that's cool, but really to me, I was where I'm most impressed with some of his some of the work that's been done in building rosters with Lewis Riddick was that 2010s early 2010s Eagles roster that kind of flipped what was happening in the late 2000s. Because remember the 2008 Eagles that was supposed to be the year they had Terrell Owens, they had Donovan McNabb, they had everybody. This was supposed to be the year they were gonna run. Uh, not sorry, not Terrell Owens. I'm excuse me, but they, they had Don McNabb. They went and they went and brought people in. They were supposed to run the table that year, and you know they fell in the NFC Championship to um, uh, to Larry Fitzgerald and the Arizona Cardinals. But in 2010, they started to reload, and then you saw them come back into it. And 
I just remember those early 2010 teams with LaShawn McCoy, with Deshaun Jackson, who was drafted when uh, when Lewis Riddick was there. They went and they signed Michael Vick. That changed everything. They went and they signed Asante Samuel. That changed everything. They drafted Jeremy Macklin. They traded to get Jason Peters. They went and drafted Brandon Graham, who's still playing there. Um, They went and drafted Fletcher Cox. And to me, this was the year, uh, was 2012. This was the year that uh, Lewis Riddick was in his bag. Fletcher Cox, Michael Kendricks, Vinnie Curry, Nick Foles as your as your first four picks of that draft. My goodness, did you knock it out? And even though Nick Foles had to leave to come back to win a Super Bowl, you still were the guy that brought him into the league and said he was going to be the dude. Um, and that's the and then the year after that, by the way, before right before he left, drafts Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz in back to back picks. And by the way, Jordan Poyer as a seventh round pick, who's killing it for the Bills right now. That's a pretty good resume, Josh. That's pretty crazy. And here's a note on Nick Foles that people either forget or don't like to talk about. After Andy Reid left, Chip Kelly came in. Chip Kelly mm-hmm. made Nick Foles a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. That's true. Nick Foles put up numbers with Chip Kelly. And like we we keep trying to push Nick Foles to the side. Nick Foles has actually done some decent things here. So the fact that he brought Foles in at the time that he did, and I you got through that first couple picks. And, like, my brain stopped after Fletcher Cox. Yeah. I mean, right there. Boom. I don't think people really realize how good Fletcher Cox was, A, at Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. And then, B, in Philadelphia. Like, he was already good in college. And he went to Philadelphia, and he became really good. So there's He was one of the baddest dudes around. He was a bad, bad man. And there's there's something to be said. Here's what's weird. Because there are people say, oh, well, he said the one draft about this guy wasn't that good. Okay, fine. Like, draft analysts are wrong about stuff every year. You right. get enough at-bats, you're going to miss a few. Let's look at the guys he brought in for his own organization to do what mm-hmm. they did. And I don't know if we talked about this one. I don't remember being on the list of guys that we saw when he was in Philly. He also traded for Clinton Portis. So there's that, too. Mm, I forgot about that. Yeah. Tra- uh, that, Red again, traded for Clinton Portis. That's another yeah. one. There, there's, a, there's a list of guys that came in in that organization in Washington. And the guys he brought in were good. The players they brought in, the trades, the free agents, those guys were all good. There's another part of this, though, that I think people don't really look at because maybe they don't remember. The coaches he worked with. He worked with Andy Reid in Philly. You talked about it. Donovan McNabb trying to reload that team. He was with Andy Reid in Philly. He was with Joe Gibbs in Washington before that. Like the Mm -hmm. return of Joe Gibbs. Who am I esteemed by the way to be, to be one of the top five coaches of all time? Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs won multiple Super Bowls without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, we leave that part out. Joe Gibbs was a damn good coach. And I want to say that three years when he was in charge there, he made the playoffs twice under Joe Gibbs. Like, they were a really talented team that could run the ball, that had speed, that had physical defense. They had a lot of things going for them with those Washington teams. But the thing that sticks out the most, that should at least, or at least one of the things that should stick out the most, he worked with two really good coaches, Andy Reid, Joe Gibbs. We're talking all-time coaches here. These are guys that are on a lot of people's lists as far as top coaches ever. So now let, let's let's sweeten this picture a little bit. Now you get a chance to work with Mike Tomlin, who's a guy who's on his way to wearing a gold jacket, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you like it or not, no matter how many ways you can try to shape it to make it fit your own narrative, Mike, Mike Tomlin is going to be wearing a gold jacket someday. Get used to it now. And now Lewis Riddick has a chance to work with that guy after working with Joe Gibbs, after working with Andy Reid. Kind of hard to turn that opportunity down if you have it in front of you. 
that's that's that there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on like i said a lot of meat on that bone with lewis riddick here now absolutely i think it's important you know not to just throw these guys aside brandon hunt omar khan everyone's like well hey chris you guys been talking about these guys for months and now all of a sudden you're still like oh no No. i'm not doing that because i still think that brandon hunt to me brandon hunt is still the the guy that's the 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 person that i think is the lead front runner to get this position there's there's no that hasn't changed i still think that the most likely scenario is that both kind of receive a promotion where they just don't have anyone over their heads omar khan handles the books brandon hunt handles the personnel they work together to come up with how they're going to make the contracts work and that's going to be the Steelers front office moving forward but the idea of getting a Lewis Riddick in there I I think it's very interesting because the Steelers this is a major crossword crossroads you know like you just said this is 21 and a half years of or 22 years however long it's been over two decades of Kevin Colbert it's something Steelers fans haven't had to think about for, for such a long time because you knew Ke- Kevin Colbert the man back there he, he's gonna ma- he's gonna make some some crazy stuff happen and they're gonna they're gonna make some moves the Steelers have to find who's going to be that next person now um do they want to st- stay in-house and I know a lot of people hate that idea but again something that I brought up on the show you're talking about Brandon Hunt a dude who learned from the man himself Bill Nunn this is a guy who worked under him who trained under him and and got to know him and I got to hear him tell stories about Bill Nunn and and he and not only that, but then he learned under Kevin Colbert. So you have a guy who built the Steelers past, a guy who's built the Steelers present, and a guy who's ready to build the Steelers future. That's why I'm not just throwing Brandon Hunt out with the out in this situation. But still, the idea of getting an exciting, a good, a big face, and I think someone else brought this up uh, because Sean McVay recently w- went out and said he thinks that Mike Tomlin is the best leader in the NFL. Lewis Riddick is beloved by a lot of people across the NFL. Could you imagine the double whammy of Lewis Riddick and Mike Tomlin walking in a room and how many times that might help the Steelers win some free agency battles? They'll be like, you know what? I want to go play for those two guys. Especially in a year where they can have a ton of salary cap space. Hmm. Hmm. What might, what might be happening there? Not a bad combination. I, I'm going to put two things out there and people okay. will probably hate the one and it's a Tomlinism. Well, it's not really a Tomlinism. It's something he borrowed. This is what happens when you live in the South. You use a lot of analogies and sayings. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. Oof. You got three guys in Omar Khan, Brandon Hunt and Lewis Riddick as candidates for one job, which means one of two things, either one, you probably stole one of the best guys out there that's on the market that no one has hired yet. And he's going to come in and do this job. And that's going to be a big get for you. Or you're going to find out just how good and qualified and worthy one of the other two guys are. Because sometimes the best way to figure out what you have measure it against something else. And that's not even counting the fact that they've interviewed other external candidates. They've Mm -hmm. interviewed guys from other teams. So now you're looking at some of the best from other organizations and you're bringing in a guy who's done this or at least something yep. close to it in the past and is also one of the, the you know, foreknown uh, analysts when it comes to this game. So you're about, to me- you're about to measure your own two internal guys against this guy on the outside and other people's guys that are just below that position. You're in a really prime position to bring in the guy who's going to be the best fit for your organization. And now if you're the Steelers, it's an embarrassment of riches to pick from. It becomes that much of a, now granted it becomes a better decision, but it also becomes more difficult. And that's what I think people kind of ignore here. And it's, 
I'm glad you brought up Brandon Hunt learning under under Bill Nunn. I, I was one of those people going into the Hall of Fame last year. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, it's amazing how many people don't know who Bill Nunn was and right. don't know what Bill Nunn did. I, I bring this up a lot. The Steelers brought in five Hall of Famers in one draft rookie class in well, one rookie class, right? Because Donnie Shell was undrafted. But he still. drafted for and signed mm-hmm. Donnie Shell. Ridiculous. Never been done. Without Bill Nunn, that does not happen. That mm-hmm. has never happened before. And I, my, well, Mike Tomlin say never, say never, but never. That will never, never happen. Yeah, happen yeah that's not happening. That's again. not going down the second time. Brandon Hunt got a chance to learn under that guy. He got to learn under a Hall of Famer. Actually, he got to learn under two under two Hall of Famers because Kevin Colbert's going to get the jacket too. So mm-hmm. it, it, here's the crazy part. It, here's, here's, now, here's the second thing I'm going to bring up that people also aren't going to like. Stop telling me that Mike Tomlin doesn't have a coaching tree on one hand mm-hmm. and then you don't want the team to do things internally on the other hand. Because if you have a coaching tree, you know what that means? That means you've done something well internally. Mm-hmm. So if you've done something well internally on the management side of things, and we just talked about this, Brandon Hunt working under Kevin Colbert and working under Bill Nunn. Why wouldn't you want the guy that's learned those things Yeah, from those guys? So it brings it right back. How prepared is Brandon Hunt? How does he measure up against this guy? How does he measure up against this guy? How does he measure up against this guy who's worked in front offices for a while and worked with a couple of really good coaches that are also one is a Hall of Famer and one is going to be? Yeah. How does he measure up against this guy? It makes perfect sense to me. But there is also a third element to this that is kind of maybe the the pipe dream for me. I'll admit it might be a little bit pie in the sky, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong thing. You're talking about Omar Khan who handles the books and the money aspect on the one side. He's one of the best in the league at doing it, and this is this cannot be disputed. Then you have Brandon Hunt on the other side who has studied under this front office and the guys that have been a part of it over decades. We're, we're spanning back you know, half a century here as far as the knowledge that he's gained. What if you have a situation where neither of those guys are ready to be the top guy yet? And now you have a guy in Lewis Riddick. true. Who's 52 years old, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's not necessarily young. He's older than Mike Tomlin. Lewis Riddick comes in with the experience he has, and now you set a really nice crown jewel on top of it. Mm -hmm. And now you got three guys who are all really good at what they do, working in an organization with the coach who, like you said, is very respected around the league and is very respected among players. Now, granted, yes, yeah, small sample size, but the Athletic did that poll among players at the Pro Bowl. Who would they want to play for? Who was the guy that played the most players said? Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. So there's that's something that sticks out. So now you have this situation where you could have a really loaded front office. Now, like I said, this is one of those things that like maybe everything has to fall into place and the planets have to align. But could you imagine? Could you imagine a front office with Lewis Riddick, Brandon Hunt, and Omar Khan in it? With Mike Tomlin coaching this team, that's a front office that a lot of people are going to look at and say, hey, these guys know what they're doing. And in a situation where, you know, maybe one guy's not ready to actually move to that top role yet, and, and maybe part of this for Lewis Riddick is a name only. Part of it may be Could having be. Some, actual, some actual responsibility where maybe he oversees the other two. But now you're talking about a really synergistic picture. That also, by the way, in a, in a super twist of irony, fulfills the spirit of the rule that was created by the team's former owner, which also just, you know, puts a nice little bow in it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm expecting it, but if that's your third option, 
It's a really good third option. It's a really yeah. It's 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 really it's a really good option. Also, it's worthy to say that uh, Art Rooney talked about talked about Brandon Hunt before, and he said we trained him. Kevin trained him. He knows the Steelers' way, but he he spent time in Houston, so it's not like he hasn't been outside these walls. I think that it was same a good thing experience. with Kevin Colbert. He was in Detroit. It, it, exactly. So like he he's well rounded. He's not just a guy, and um and he has been he has he's been moved th- moved on through the years. He's been he's taken on additional responsibilities. He's handled them well. I think Brandon is someone that has the kind of experience we'll be we've been looking for. He's a good candidate. Now, I want to keep talking about this um, because we're not done, and I want to compare it to some older notes about the Pittsburgh Steelers that I think ties into this conversation. So we'll do all that in just a second here. But first, we got to talk to you guys about Bill Bar. Bill Bar is close to protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's that time of the year again where you're pretty much giving up on the New Year's resolution because you can't eat right. Well, one thing that helps with that, eating something that tastes good but also helps you eat right, and that's Built Bar. That's why you think they come into play. Have you tried the new Puffs flavors that Built Bar offers? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. And they're going to, and you can go and find your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs included, and 100% real chocolate does taste awesome, especially when it's low in calories but high in protein. Uh, the Built Bars bring 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein compared to the average candy bar that's 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many flavors to choose from between coconut brownie, uh, peanut butter brownie, all the different flavors, mint brownie, sa- salted caramel, cookies and cream. You go to built.com right now. You'll find your favorite flavor by going to built.com and you get 15% off your next order by using locked 15. That's L O C K E D one five locked 15. You'll get 15% off your next order of built bars at built.com. We're also brought to you by get upside. As I was talking about the top of the show, get upside is the incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about get upside. My listeners are, are getting cash back for every gallon of gas that they fill up every time they're at the pump. Just download the free Get Upside app at the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Get $0.25 cents per gallon uh, or more on your first fill-up. And that's going to be cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a year, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Download get the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN down to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back in your first tank that's promo code touchdown on the get upside app now back to back ad reads we, we keep it rolling here josh let's take a step back here for a second um for, well actually first before we do that i want to i want to note out because i don't think i've officially said on the show the other candidates that the steelers have interviewed um for the gm position include uh chargers director of player personnel jojo wooden um, uh, Colts assistant general manager Ed Dodds and Titans vice pre- vice president of player personnel Ryden Cowden. So there's they they they've been doing their due diligence. They have you know a guy, guys within their own walls, guys that have been on, that are on other teams right now, and a guy who's just loving life as media and has had success as a GM before in the NFL, or you know a, a player a director of pers- player personnel. All that says to me is that the the Steelers are still doing their due diligence. They're not just, you know, some people have alleged the Roonies just, you know, they're not the same anymore because this is a different Rooney. I I think the same practices and the same mentality are still in play. And I think looking back, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, when Kevin Colbert got hired, he took over for Tom Donahue and it was sort of that perfect 
mix between the picks because people think that you know Kevin when they talk about oh Tomlin inherited Cowder's players. Well, wait a second. If we're talking about that, who did uh who did Colbert inherit? Because he inherited some pretty good dogs and then added on some really good pieces to those dogs. And he got, you know, he was able to bring in Troy Polamalu. He was able to get Ben Roethlisberger and some guys like that. But Joey Porter, Alan Fanica, Heinz Ward, all those guys, they were there and they built the core that, that, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, I'm not downplaying Kevin Colbert, but I, I think that there's continuity within the Steelers organization. And this is why I always bring it up. Their history does matter. It, it's, it's so funny to hear people talk about, first of all, they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, things are different because it's not the same Rooney running the team as it was before. But then something else happens. Oh, well, they do the same things all the time. They need to do something different. People, change, get your, make sure your messaging fits. Make things match because um, the stuff you're saying doesn't match. But I think you bring up a really good point. There was a time when Tom Donahoe was considered one of the best personnel guys in the entire league. Mm -hmm. And he did it for more than one team. And yes, it's easy to look at the Ben Roethlisberger's and the Heath Miller's and the Troy Polamalu's and the Ike Taylor's that Kevin Colbert brought in. Yes, it's great to acknowledge those. But then there's a guy like Alan Fanica, who's a Hall of Fame lineman that mm -hmm. Tom Donahoe found with the first round pick. And then Heinz Ward, he found in the third round. Deshae Townsend, he found in the fourth round, who was a part of a couple of Super Bowl teams. Dick LeBeau called him one of the smartest players he ever coached. Hmm. Deshae Townsend is one of those guys that's just like, I don't know if they do everything they did without Deshae Townsend. I don't know if this team did everything they did without Joey Porter. I don't know if they this team did everything they did without Aaron Smith, who was a really good late round pick. Yes, they found some studs in late rounds. And, and this is one of those things that you and I talked about. You know, for as much as you could talk about Kevin Colbert nailing some of those early picks, Tom Donahoe nailed some of those mid-round and late-round picks mm -hmm. that really helped shape this roster and turned it into what it turned into. And then we forget, hey, remember that draft day trade that Tom Donahoe made for Jerome Bettis? Yeah. Which became a Hall of Fame career after he came to Pittsburgh? Because I don't mm -hmm. know. It was a Hall of Fame career before he came here. Hey, he but by the time he was done here, it turned into a Hall of Fame career. Mm -hmm. That was a Tom Donahoe move. So there's a lot of things that come into play here. And, you know, there's different guys that you look at and say, hey, wait a minute. All these guys were part of these teams, and both of these GMs were part of that. Just like in the 70s, you saw that team and how it was built with the, you know, double-digit number of Hall of Famers. That was the work Dan Rooney did. That was the work that uh, Bill Nunn did. You had a lot of people working together in that same ethos permeated throughout the organization. And it's been that way, and I'm going to say this again, for a half a century. That's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's not a mistake. There's some things here. There's some general premises here. There's some, you know, key factors and, and key, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Key values and an ethos here that still carries forward. You have to keep all of that in mind when you're trying to understand everything that this franchise has done for the past half century. Yep. We're trying to sort all this out. There, there's a common thread here. There's a there's definitely a common thread, and, and again, I think the Roonies are are, are are a huge part of that. And not, but it's not just the Roonies. It's not just one guy at the top. It's True. continuity that you've seen built through this organization. It's consistency because you know no one person can always be you know, and, and no one family can just always be perfect all the time. The Steelers aren't perfect, but 
even you know maintaining the steadiness that they did they've built people they've built positions they built people they've, they've had people put around them to make sure hey we're going to keep this boat sailing in the right direction and it's why the Steelers have continued to sail in the right direction for the most time. I think the Steelers have the best worst season in the NFL since like what 1985 or something like that I think like Probably when you look at all months, yeah like 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 the, the the last time the Steelers I think finished with a high enough pick that was in the top 10 was 2000 with Plaxico Burst. Again, that was, that was number eight. The last time they finished with a pick that was better, that was better than that was Tim Worley at seven of, of 1989, but still the seventh overall pick where, I mean, we're, we're talking about like, Hey, when was the last time they picked fourth? When was the last time they picked in the top five? You have to, you'd have to go back to, to the, the teams that set up the seventies to see those type of picks. And a lot of it's because the Steelers on top of Mike Tomlin, you know, I, a lot of times I talk, about Mike Tomlin, his continuity, he's also benefited from being part of this organization, and that's real. And when you're talking about, you know, bringing in a guy like Lewis Riddick, you know, this is like you said, it's not, it's not just the idea of bringing in Lewis Riddick. It's not just the idea of interviewing these other guys, or just the idea of bringing, of keeping Brandon Hunt and just making him your guy. It's about putting those all together and seeing, okay, who's going to make the best decisions for this organization in the next coming years, and who wants to be the next guy that is around for two decades, setting up draft classes, making big moves. You know, Brandon Hunt's a guy. I actually don't know his age. I, I, I tried looking it up real quick. I couldn't. I didn't find it. Uh, but you know, but he he to me, whenever I see him, he looks. He's young. He's been <laughs> around a bit. Uh, he was with the team, like like you said, uh, and like Mr. Rooney said. He was around in the 2000s. He left, came came back in the in the mid 2010s, and he's been productive and he's continued to work his way up. I I think that all the pieces that they're putting together, unless unless these guys just say no to them, which would be a surprise. I don't know why anyone would do that. I think the Steelers have put themselves in a really good position to pick who they want to pick to keep building this organization moving forward. You talked about continuity. A big part of that continuity is patience. Yes. That's a large, large chunk of it. Because Not you have, to, you have to be willing to stay the course and say, okay, we know this organization is built on these fundamental things. We know we have this foundation. We know we have this group and we know what we want to do and how we want to do it. So it, it allows you to navigate not only through the years when things are going great, but also through when things are going not so great. I'm glad you brought up the records from all those seasons, like the bad seasons, mm -hmm. because here's the thing that I don't think people realize. A lot of people think that some of the times when this team fell short, that it was just abject failure. I hear people call the 80s the dark days. And I'm like, they made it to the AFC Championship game in 1984. Right. right. They made it to two AFC Championship games. Actually, taking back three AFC Championship games in the 90s and won one. So this is not. And, and then another one, pre-Ben Roethlisberger in 2001 with Cordell Stewart at quarterback. So we're talking about dark ages, and, and it's not necessarily dark ages as much as it was them being in the hunt every year and it just not happening. They mm -hmm. Other people like to look at it as failure because they see six Lombardi trophies and say, well, if you didn't do it other than these six years, then you failed. That means literally the first 30 years of this franchise's existence or 40 years of this franchise's existence, they were just a failure. So how did they survive 40 years? It's weird if you want to look at it that way. Or you could look at it as, hey, some of this is probably law of averages. Mm -hmm. You won four championships in six years. You've already defied logical thinking. You've already right. beaten the odds in that regard. We talked about it. Five Hall of Famers in one draft class. Double-digit Hall of Famers in a decade. You've already defied the odds there. So you go into the 80s where a team where you're competitive for the more part of the decade than people think. You go into the 90s where the team is really competitive. 
and is in three AFC championship games. You're in one AFC championship game in the 80s. A lot of this is law of averages. Like they could have probably won more in the 90s. Yes. If they won Super Bowl 30, maybe we're looking at Bill Cowher's legacy completely differently. But mm -hmm. the fact that he got there twice in that span and got there a couple other times in between, it still says a lot for what this organization has been doing in the interim, even when they haven't been winning Super Bowls. If you were still competitive, if you were still in the hunt, if you were still getting to the doorstep of a Super Bowl that many times, that means you're doing some things right. That means Andy Reid in Philadelphia was doing some things right. That means Mike Tomlin has done some things right. Because how many times have we heard Mike Tomlin say, if you get to the single elimination tournament, anything can happen. That's not just something that people just say. Right. Especially when you do it more often than just about anybody else has except for one organization. Right. When only one out of 31 other organizations has done something more than you in a period of time, guess what? You're one of the best at it. Yep, exactly. Re and regardless of how you want, how many of the failures or failures or fall falling short you want to look at, you're still one of the best at it. Mm -hmm. Over the whole, over the entire span of time, on an average year, you are more mathematically likely to go further than about 95% of everybody else. And, and, regardless and, of how you want to look at it. And, and again, to, to get there is a big part of it because you got to the work that the coaches and the GMs and all this stuff that we're talking about in the background, like, like this episode, we haven't talked once about TJ Watt being what he does at the line of scrimmage. We haven't talked right. about the things that are happening on the field. We're talking about building of the organization. And I wanted to dedicate an episode to that because I thought that was really important here. But when we're talking about this, this conversation, you know, we're, we're acknowledging, like, you know, like you said, it takes the building of that is what gets them the opportunities to make those plays in the field to get there. Chuck Knoll said this all the time whenever they try to credit him. What is what do you do to make this team really good? He said, it's not me. It's the players, because when they go out on the field, they're the ones winning the games. You want to but you build the environment, you build the opportunities here. And that's what the Steelers have done. And so when you look at oftentimes those failures in the playoffs, it's like, hey, you know what? Did they have a foundation that year? How often have they had the foundation to be good in the playoffs? And it just came down to, you know what? This guy didn't have it this day. And how many times throughout NFL history has that defined, you know, a, you know, a, a team where it's like, you know what? This team was really Really talented they just didn't have it that day you know it's it's that's why that's something i think people look at when they bring up all oh, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game in so many years da, 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 da. I'm, I'm i look at it and like look man they've had the the, the organization that the part of it they've built it there they've been very unfortunate they've they've lost the war of attrition where they just lost too many players guys getting hurt at the wrong times guys being not not good at the, at the right times and that's that's been an unfortunate thing but for so long they were fortunate i think some of that it bounces back on you uh but you know again looking at this this situation looking at the Steelers and their history I think that it's very important to remember also uh something to remember about the dark ages of the 80s there was no free agency back then free agency didn't start till 1993 Chuck Dole if you watch his uh his uh, his football life documentary on NFL Network his wife tells tells you in that documentary that he came home after winning Super Bowl uh 14 and said it's about to be rough because we don't got guys. Everyone's old. We're going to have to do a lot of rebuilding. We're going to need to get bad draft picks, and then we're going to be able to make a push, but it's going to be a long time before we do that. So Chuck Knoll saw it coming, and they still were competitive during the 80s. And then in the 90s, they got some of those picks that were that were really good. The Rod Woodsons and the guy and the Damani Dawson, the guys that were that were picked in those in, the, in those later part of the 80s when they were bad, and that allowed them to springboard into the 90s when Bill Cowher took over. So again, continuity staying consistent and being the organization that they've been josh we're way over time uh i know i'm probably gonna get, 
I'm, I'm probably going to get pinged by Locked On for doing a really long show. It's going to span over like 45 minutes or so. But thank you so much for joining me here. I'm sure we're not done talking about this. When they eventually do make, make the hire, we'll probably be talking about, you know, what that is. But I, I wanted to give fans, you know, our insight on how football organizations, how they're run, what they're being done, and, you know, the things that go into them. And you always do a great job when we talk about that. So I thank you. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Josh Taylor HD. Pretty simple. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's the easiest way to find me. Absolutely. Do find him. He's a great asset to listen to. If you ever need to learn something about sports, he's probably got you. So check him out at Josh Taylor HD on Twitter and Instagram uh, and anywhere else. I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can uh, listen to this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel so you can get all of our Locked On Steelers daily content. And if you want to help out the show even further, please go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review along with a positive comment. You do both at the same time. You get a shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks so much for checking out Locked On Steelers today. We'll be back in your ears and on your screens tomorrow with more on your Pittsburgh Steelers.